Goldman, Ambassador and Board Members. My name is Sandra Collins and I am the Director of the National Library of Ireland. I'm absolutely delighted to welcome you all here to the Library tonight for the inaugural interview in the Inspiration Proclamation series. The National Library has had a wonderful year-long programme of events and exhibitions for the 1916 commemorations. We've had more than 100,000 visitors. We digitised the seven signatories' papers and archives and we made them freely available for people to view across the world, across the world on the internet. And we captured the contemporary digital memory of 2016 with our web archiving programme. But it is particularly through this series of interviews that we wanted to facilitate a very strong reflective discussion about the proclamation and the decade of commemorations and their relevance to modern Ireland. We're really very honoured to have Dr John Bowman and Archbishop Dermot Martin here tonight and I think the full house here speaks to the level of interest in this discussion. May I remind you to take note of the emergency exits in case of an emergency, to ensure your phone is silent, and to tell you that we're recording the event tonight for a podcast. So when John opens the floor for questions later, please wait for the roving mic and um, introduce yourself as you ask your question. So it's my pleasure now to hand the floor to John. John Bowman, I think, needs no introduction. He is, of course, a renowned historian and broadcaster. And his latest book, Ireland, the Autobiography, was launched just last night. Thank you, John. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and I will, I'm, again, I'm Dr. Dermot Martin, um, perhaps I should say his grace, Dr. Dermot Martin. I know that Archbishop McQuaid sent the most scolding letters to any nun who didn't address him as your grace in, in her opening letter, but I, I don't think you're on, of that school. But um, I first met uh, Dr. Martin when he came to Dublin in 2003. He was, he's been Archbishop since 2004. And I don't know whether you remember the answer you gave me when I asked you for your impressions. You said you were absolutely shocked in West Dublin to find so many suburbs where in a short walk, there might be three bookies shops and four betting shops, or sorry, four pubs, yeah. and there no wasn't chemist, a fresh... No chemist. No chemist and no fresh groceries. Yeah, yeah. But you'd come from Italy, you'd yeah. come from Rome. And, from, and I just thought that was a very telling, telling answer. I'm afraid it could still be true in certain places. Uh, I mean, uh, we still build houses uh, and don't build the sort of services that people need. Uh, I grew up in, in Ballyfermot in the very beginning and there was no church, no school, uh, no bus service. Uh, I mean the houses were better than, you know, than we'd, we'd ever had uh, before that. Um, but you know, if you don't build communities uh, then you're, you're asking for difficulty. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, it's a great pleasure to welcome Dr. Martin as uh, our first guest in this, in this series. <laughs> And obviously we will go wider than just the very text of the proclamation, but we'll be talking about that as well. But could I begin, um, Dr. Martin, by asking you if you remember the Golden Jubilee, the 19, because you would have been probably in, you're probably a in seminarian Clonliffe. Yeah. in Clonliffe. Yeah. You're yeah. one of Dr. McQuaid's young men. Yeah. Um, though he didn't know you were to succeed him in due course, and perhaps you didn't either. Yeah. But, but in 1966, we had the Golden yeah. Jubilee. Do you remember that? No. No. I'll be very honest, I, I, was, I was trying to, we were in Clonliffe, uh, I knew there were events going on, uh, um, 
the Garden of Remembrance, I think, would be the... the, the, the but we, it, it would just pass me by, personally. Um, I, I don't think it had the same uh, re relevance as, as, uh, as the, the, the centenary. Right. Uh, I think it was a, a smaller event in national life. But as a schoolboy growing up, what did 1916 1916, mean I mean, we had a proclamation in, uh, in every classroom. Uh, we would have known the, 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 the signatories. Uh, we would have known their, 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 their picture. We weren't really taught much about the proclamation. It, it, what we were taught wasn't on the curriculum. We got some of the, the teacher's own views and it was very nationalistic. Uh, you know, if I were probably asked you know, what was the dominant thing in my mind, the way it was taught about 1916 was the black and tans uh, as the sort of... Uh, you know, they the, were four years later, uh, course, Yeah, but, but a diabolical the, enemy yeah, type yeah, of... Uh, yeah. uh, and it, it, was, it was played out in a, in, in, in a very nationalistic uh, uh, vision. Um, again, a, a vision that was still, uh, still very lively. Because, you know, when I went to... I began school in the ni 1950. Um, at that stage, it, we, we still lived in an idea of a nationalism from. We, we were only beginning to move into the state of a nationalism for, which is very prominent in, in the proclamation, that the idea we would be free, but to, to do things, we would be free to achieve the good. We would be free to become uh, part of the, of the world community among the nations. Uh, and uh, we were still we were still fighting some of the, you know, we were you know, buying Irish, we were, uh, we were speaking Irish, um, but it, 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 it wasn't, you know, we, we really hadn't taken up many of the contents of the proclamation. So what does the proclamation now mean to you as a text? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, it, when you read it, it's a very short text. Uh, it's, a, it's an inspirational text, uh, rather than uh, you know, a, a text with a huge content. I don't think any political party would set it out as its platform for government. Uh, but there are certain things in it which are, I think, extremely important. Um, first of all, it is to be a republic. Uh, now, you know, it wasn't to be any other, it was a particular type of government. And republic had links with maybe with the French Revolution uh, and with a, an understanding of democracy. It was, there's a very strong stress in it on e equality. Uh, you know, the, the treat all the children, which wasn't referring to you know, to people of, a, of an age, but all the children of the, of the of the of the nation were to be treated equally. And I believe if we want to reflect and celebrate, we have to see um, you know, how have we lived up to that part of the proclamation? Have we created a a, a society of equality? And therefore, you you celebrate not by looking at the good things but also seeing the light and the dark, dark dimensions that have emerged in Ireland. And um, there are darker dimensions, the darkness of poverty and exclusion, uh, the darkness of hatred and violence. Uh, the proclamation, and, and uh, one of the amazing things is watching, even at the, you know, um, when you look at what you hear about the, the state of mind of the signatories before their, uh, uh, before their execution, there was no sense of vengeance. Uh, they, 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 they had this, this sense that they, they, th this was something they did and it didn't work out as they wanted to. But, they, but there was also, the proclamation was a, uh, it's a document of commitment uh, and uh, there was nothing about uh, apathy uh, in this. 
There's a, there's a wonderful thing in, in, in the Capuchin archives of this priest who went to visit Porrick Pierce, uh, probably the first visitor that he met. And, um, Father uh, Murphy, wasn't he? Uh, yes, and, and he, um, he was brought into Pierce, who was sitting there with his head down in his hands, and he looked up as, he said, as if he was waking from sleep. And he said, oh, Father, all this violence, I hope it will not be in vain. Uh, and uh, you can see the, the reflection, the bloodshed. Um, but his, his anguish wasn't anguish about his own predicament. His anguish was, would good emerge from what we've done? And again, that is for me one of the ways we have to celebrate, is to, to see you know, where we, the, the Ireland we have today, the, the Ireland we have created and are creating, how far does it live up to those dimensions uh, of what, what's in the proclamation? And that's, that's, now President Higgins has been, I think, extremely good in, in challenging us uh, to, 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 to look at, uh, at this dimension. Yes. Also the idea of um, a sense of national purpose. Uh, all, you know, there was the idea that it, be, it was all the people of Ireland would be coming together. Uh, and uh, a sense that we were going to do things. There's, there's a lot of splintering in Irish society today, which I, I don't think... It, also, in the, we, we have a very splittered political uh, horizon, which I'm not too sure is the, uh, is, is the way we should, be, we should be moving. Do you think the um, rising itself fulfilled the then Catholic requirements for a just war, popular consent, reasonable chance of success, and existing government manifest and intolerable tyranny? Yeah, I mean, that the, the, it's always very, very hard to determine, determine that. Um, uh, success, uh, reasonable chance of success. Uh, when you read the proclamation, those who signed the proclamation felt they really did have that. Uh, they felt they were, going to, uh, they were going to achieve what they wanted. By, by what me mechanism? Um, to some extent, I, I, I believe that certainly violence, the idea of bloodshed, uh, as something which had a power of its own. Um, uh, but I believe that they, they felt they would have such an impact that then they, they were wise enough to know that Br the British Army were not going to get on the next boat and leave. That there, it would move into a period of, of some type of negotiation, but that their military strength would give them great strength. Uh, that that it, it didn't happen. Um, I'm not too sure what their, 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 their full idea was. Um, you, there, there, you have to remember also that there, there was a stage in which um, Redmondite politics, parliamentary politics, had actually failed uh, and wasn't getting where. And this became even more difficult uh, with, the, with the outbreak of the war, that you know, there was no space and no time for any political negotiation about uh, about home rule or any type of independence. Well, home rule was on the statute book, but postponed. Yeah, postponed. Yeah. And therefore people were frustrated. Now, the Archbishop of Dublin at the time, Archbishop Walsh, who was by, by nature probably a Redmondite, uh, but he had lost confidence in, in, in its ability. So uh, you, you have to then judge and see uh, you know, how much violence uh, were people envisioning. I mean, it was, a, it was in some ways a very well prepared from a military point of view, uh, occupation. 
Uh, if you look at compared with other coup d'etats in countries, uh, they, they knew exactly where to go. They took prominent buildings. They 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 were armed. Uh, they 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 knew how to you know strategic places on the entrance into the city. So militarily, they weren't just amateurs, uh, and they 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 they, they had trained. Um, but a lot of military strategists would dispute that and say, "Look, capturing important buildings against an army of the other of the yeah. scale of the British they, army." They hoped, was of course, naive, that they, yeah. they, they, they did hope. I think that the British army would be weakened by by, yeah. by, by the fact of the war. They chose those particular dates. Um, uh, you know, I, it's interesting that only one bishop, as far as I know, explicitly came out supporting the uh, Archbishop Walsh. Never condemned it. Uh, you know, he, he kept contact with all the leaders. Uh, in 1916, he was already uh, seriously ill. He had a skin disease uh, and uh, could could barely be be, be uh, uh, received people. Um, but he, he was he was he was very much in touch with what was going on and never condemned it. Uh, and um, when his secretary went into the GPO on Easter Monday, uh, spoke with Pierce, uh, you know, they talked about what they what what, what they hoped. But there wasn't that element of uh, element of condemnation. Uh, which is Monsignor, you're talking about Monsignor Curran, later the president, and first vice president, then president of the of the Irish Fresh College in yeah. Rome, and an advanced nationalist, um, and a very perceptive one as well in in the twenties, when you, you right. could see how conservative, say, De Valera was before a lot of the intelligentsia, the newspapers, mm. or the opposition could see yeah. it in Ireland, or that the British could. But Monsignor Curran, uh, there's a very interesting. Uh, description of his Easter Monday, uh -huh. where he's down in the garage in Archbishop's house when Count Plunkett arrives. And Count Plunkett has been to see the Pope to seek a papal blessing mm -hmm. for the rising. Now, Plunkett's evidence on all of that is disputed and it's, it's hard to reconcile a lot of it. But he also timed his arrival after the rising, just 20 minutes, I think, after the rising had actually started, mm -hmm. which Curran notes that he was meant to no, and, but he was seeking the archbishop. He wanted to tell the archbishop that the rising had, that started. The rising had yeah. started. And then uh, Curran went 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 down immediately to uh, to O'Connell Street on his bicycle. He met Chaunty O'Kelly on the way, who was a friend of his. And Chaunty O'Kelly gave him a gift for his girlfriend. Uh, should anything happen to him, and there are lots of these human dimensions. He went first of all to the pro cathedral, and the priest there said the men had been coming all morning for confession. And then they headed over to, to the GPO, and the instructions were, you know, get, to get away, get away. Uh, but um, James Connolly said, no, let the priest come in, which is again an interesting, an interesting uh, dimension. And they came in and they spoke to Pierce, and uh, um, they, 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 they saw what was happening. And then they went away, and he anointed probably one of the first people who was killed in 1916, was a British soldier who came in on a horseback, and one of them was killed, and he had a miraculous medal on him, and they felt that he was a Catholic. And the officer said, all the men were those, they're lucky charms. Mm -hmm. uh, but as I was saying to you there earlier, uh, he finished his morning by saying, uh, then we went to the Gresham for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and it's good advice if you're ever caught, yeah. if you're ever caught in an uprising, don't forget your lunch. Yeah. 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 But more, more striking is, is um, the... And the looting. He came back then it, to stop, to stop, the, to looting. stop the looting. Yeah. 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 Now, I, I, I you know, always say that, um, and this, we have an exhibition about the work of the priests, particularly in the Pro-Cathedral and the Capuchins. Uh, in 1916, where they provided, uh, one priest was in, in the GPO for the entire uprising, 
but there are extraordinary stories of the uh, execution uh, of the, the personal conversations uh, with the leaders and you know their their state of mind uh, at the uh, but the, the the final the final morning when the news came again to Archbishop's house that um, they had surrendered. Uh, it, a telephone call came. The Archbishop's phone continued to work until into, into May, but a telephone call came and said, they, they, Pierce has signed the surrender. Nobody, uh, no indication who it was. I think it was probably a telephonist. So he went down again and went to the Pro-Cathedral and then came out into O'Connell Street and his description is absolutely shattering. The, he, he was completely on his own. The, 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 the O'Connell Street was completely destroyed. Uh, he said, I just walked on broken glass. Uh, and people were in doorways, people were in streets saying, is it true, Father? Is it true, Father? And eventually he got there to the, to the, the um, where the ambassador cinema is there, and uh, met the officers. And he was given a pass to get to Jervis Street Hospital, where he wanted to go. But it's very, you know, the, the, um, the, the, the pro-cathedral is the only building uh, uh, from that time which is standing as it was. It was undamaged. Uh, uh, the, uh, most of the other buildings were burnt out and the wind changed uh, before the flames got to the pro-cathedral, uh, which, which is interesting. And there, there were about 40, 50 people staying in the pro-cathedral. Uh, and, for and shelter. For shelter. Uh, but then it became too dangerous. People were being shot coming in. A lot of snipers. Uh, and um, they eventually asked the army to come in and defend the, defend the building. But it, it, it was a very shattering picture of the, uh, uh, of, of, you know, the, the, the destruction that had gone on in, in, in the pro-cathedral. Yeah. Um, we have this exhibition about the priests, but, um, and it's, it's, as I say, it's very moving. Uh, but I don't think the entire church would have thought in, in the same way. Uh, you know, that much of the, the ministrations that were done were done, um, uh, you know, there were pastoral ministrations to people. There was a lot of message sharing, but uh, I, I think when you look at the, um, uh, some of the stories of the, for example, the, the execution of, uh, of James Connolly, you know, we've traditionally said James Connolly was executed in a wheelchair. He wasn't. Uh, he was taken out, taken out of the wheelchair because they felt it, it was too complicated and put on some sort of a, of a, of a mattress and put up against a wall. Uh, and the description is horrendous of uh, actually what, uh, of how he was executed. And there's a description of the man who was the chaplain in Arbor Hill, was got out of bed at three in the morning. And he said he could, from Arbor Hill, he could hear the shooting in Kilmainham. And he said very soon the bodies arrived. He said still warm dripping with blood, uh, their eyes bandaged, their mouths open, and they were thrown into uh, uh, to an open grave and immediately um, uh, you know, acid thrown on them. You've got a lot of these personal details of the, you of these people. And, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it was quite horrific. You know, in one case, they even said that some of the young British soldiers themselves found themselves in a, you know, they realized that these, that, that, that these people who were being shot weren't criminals. They were other, totally different. Uh, and the, the, uh, you know, it was a, politically an enormous mistake uh, to execute people yeah. at that stage. Yeah. There are some letters of General Maxwell. I'm again uh, with, with, to Archbishop Byrne, uh, and he came to see Archbishop Byrne. 
Um, but uh, there, there was no, no warmth in any way there. Um, I was fascinated just by the handwriting of, uh, it wasn't the handwriting of a military man, it was a very elegant handwriting, you know, but uh, you know, these, yeah. these are also parts of, uh, of, of, uh, yeah. of the reality. Maxwell's only good judgment was, uh, he, he, he wouldn't have known it because he knew nothing about Ireland, but he was sent as the military dictator uh, mm -hmm. to Dublin to put down the rising, but not allowing the graves, he, he, he would understand they pierce at O'Donovan Ross's funeral while Ireland holds these graves. Ireland on free shall never be at peace. So he wasn't going to give the martyr's grave yeah. in that sense. So that's why they had this mass burial with the acid and so on. Yeah. Other than that, he was uh, an outrageous person, really. And, yeah. and, he, and Asquith, who was the prime minister, uh, w w want, didn't want Connolly executed. And there was quite a, it's a very detailed story, so I won't tell it. But... Um, Maxwell, let me just remind you, because you mentioned one of the bishops had condemned the right, and that's probably O'Dwyer. O'Dwyer, who, who, yeah. who condoned explicitly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Archbishop uh, uh, um, Walsh suggested that yeah. uh, Maxwell write to, uh, to, uh, to, to, um, to Bishop O'Dwyer, knowing that he'd get a very strong response. Yeah. You know? uh, something here from I the don't know what, you know, the, 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 um, what the impact on the rest of Dublin was. You know, there were people at the races. Uh, people went on about their, their, their ordinary jobs. One of the interesting things that, again, in some of our archives, they, they, there's, a, there's a, what was called a down-and-outs hostel, which Archbishop uh, Walsh had established in Back Lane, just at the top there of, uh, uh, beside um, Christ, Christ Church. Um, there, their high points of 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 uh, of, of you know, providing food and shelter were second half of 1916, then a period in the 20s after the civil war, because you know, the normal workings of society collapsed in certain places. But what is interesting is that they never reached the levels in the 1920s again until the last few years, you know, uh, until in, in, in this century. Uh, you know, of, of uh, the challenges of homelessness uh, and, and, and hunger. Yeah, there's an interesting, John Dillon was a very interesting observer of all of this, the parliamentary, he could see his own life's work in the parliamentary party melting away, and he was uh, living in number two, North Great Georgia Street, just beside Belvedere College, so he, mm -hmm. he was at the centre of it, he could hear the rising and he could see a fair bit of it. He could also saw the looters coming up and he was quite shocked. And the children looted a sweet shop, which is yeah, good old Yeah, in the corner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but Dylan, Dylan was writing to Lloyd George, and he mentions Bishop O'Dwyer of Limerick. Uh, and Dylan had told Lloyd George that there was a rumor that Maxwell was that Maxwell had taken umbrage at a phrase from O'Dwyer that his was one of the worst and blackest chapters in Irish history that Maxwell's was. And Lloyd George reassured Dylan that there was nothing in this story about the Bishop of Limerick. There never was not the slightest idea of arresting him. That, of course, would have been lunacy, too fatuous even for Maxwell. <laughs> so here you have the, the Minister of War It is interesting that in, in, uh, early in yeah. 1916, there are you know, uh, documents from Dublin Castle in which there was a plan to arrest the leaders. Uh, a, a list of it, and to um, to uh, introduce strong surveillance on a number of buildings in Dublin, including the building which is known as Archbishop's House in Drumcondra. Uh, no, I don't think they thought that there were arms there, uh, but they they knew that there was contact. The people came. Uh, 
uh, and 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 uh, you know, spoke to the archbishop and explained what was going on. Yeah. I, I think uh, you know the the, uh, you, the the initial question, you know, would, did did this uh, fit the, the the normal conditions for a violent insurrection? I think the hope was that it wouldn't happen, uh, and that somehow or other something would happen which would not make it necessary. Um, but when it happened, there was a uh, you know there were, there were very few. Um, you know, certainly, the, the, the Archbishop of Dublin in no way condemned what happened. Some other priests would, I, I would say, have been you know, quite strong in their condemnation. Yeah, the Irish Catholic said only idiots or lunatics could have expected it to succeed. It was traitorous and treacherous. They called Pierce a nominal barrister, a founder of a failed school, and a man of ill-balanced mind, if not actually insane. I mean, I, I, after I, the homily I gave in Arbor Hill uh, for the, the commemoration, uh, there was a letter saying, saying Archbishop Martin should realise that Pierce was a psychopath. Uh, there, there was the, now they were all very complex figures. Uh, Pierce is, 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 is and was certainly a complex figure. Uh, they, 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 uh, they weren't soldiers. They were, they were idealists. And intellectuals and poets, um, uh, and uh, they weren't the sort of normal raw material for an armed insurrection. Um, but again, when we, you know, um, I, I believe that uh, we have to find again, as part of our celebration, a new sense of national idealism, uh, a national purpose. Um, the Irish can be can be very cynical, uh, and. Uh, um, uh, and we, we can move into negativity quite quickly. And I think particularly today, we, we, we should be getting our young people uh, to have a sense of national purpose and idealism. And I think that many of them, they, they have it. Uh, and they do, would, would really want to work for, uh, for, uh, for an Ireland in which you would have uh, more equality. I mean, there's nothing in the proclamation about how they hoped politically and economically to achieve this. Um, uh, uh, but there, there, there are times when the, the politics and the economics need somebody to give them a kick which brings back a bit of idealism into the way they go about. Uh, uh, and idealism, even economically, it may not be, be um, measurable, uh, but it, it, it can have a huge effect. You, know? yeah. you took exception to the RTE programme where you said, the RTE drama uh, on 1916, where, the, where a bishop calls the insurrectionists hooligans. Um, and you presumed that, that, that they were suggesting that that was Archbishop Walsh of Dublin. Uh, you know, because the, the context was very much about Dublin. And uh, I mean, fiction is fiction, and you, you're entitled to do what you would wish. But when it, it, it flaunts reality. But it also uh, captured what the, probably the mainstream view of the yeah. total bench of bishops was. I, I, I think there, was, there certainly that. would have, there, 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 that this, would be the case. Yeah. But, um, uh, because it was focused very much on Dublin and the Dublin Archbishop, I felt that um, uh, you know, it, it was unfair. Now, you know, um, was the contribution of, of, of the church and of these priests, for example, we, we, we want to, to remember, uh, you know, was it a major contribution uh, to the uprising? No. Um, uh, it, it was the ordinary pastoral care of people in difficult situations, and a credit to those priests who didn't abandon you know, the, the difficult situation. Some of them, it, it, particularly those who attended the executions, uh, they were traumatized. 
Uh, they were traumatized for, for, for a large part of their lives. Uh, so I, you know, I, I think it was an, an interesting... Um, uh, somebody said to me, you know, was it airbrushed out? No, it was just overlooked. People didn't think and didn't know about this. Uh, and I think it's a dimension that deserves to be, to be there for, 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 for... Also because it, it, um, it, it's, there's a lot of the, the, uh, the, the conversations that are recorded uh, which you know, wouldn't have been heard any other way. Yes, uh, the, one of the Catholic, the editorial in, in the Catholic, uh, the Irish Catholic was hats off to the priests of Dublin. So that expression of pastoral care was, is certainly yeah. evident in the Bureau of Military History accounts yeah. and in many other I, I hope that they were saying hats off to those who were, were, were on the right side rather than hats off to those who were condemning the revolution. Oh, well, that's, that was the point, yeah. I'm, I've no, I yeah. haven't read the editorial, yeah. but I've no yeah. doubt that's yeah. the spirit of it. Yeah. Because also in, in the Civil War this comes out, you get the most remarkable evidence of priests risking life and limb, not yeah. just necessarily, though sometimes, to, to make sure they got to the six o'clock yeah. benediction, yeah. which wouldn't, in my view, have been of much importance if they were risking their lives to get there. Yeah. But they did risk their lives to get to, to soldiers on both sides in the Civil War who were dying. And I mean, the, the the, uh, the, you know, I, we, we've done a lot of research in our archives about 1916. Uh, we're, we're moving now to look at the, 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 uh, what's there about the Civil War. And uh, it, it's... it's uh, a much more frightening uh, scenario. That the, 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 the division that existed was was quite remarkable. Archbishop Byrne, who um, uh, became the Archbishop after Archbishop Walsh, um, he tried enormously, together with the Lord Mayor, uh, even in public events, to try and prevent the civil war, and um, and it didn't happen. Yeah. And he was, but he maintained. Uh, he, he was probably free state uh, person himself, never broke off contacts with de Valera. Uh, and um, uh, he was, uh, he had been uh, a curate in the pro-cathedral from 1903 to 1920, uh, which was the, the period of you know, the real poverty that was there. The idea of Crumlin Children's Hospital was his. Not because he wanted to, to have a world-class paediatric hospital, but he saw that the people uh, in the dreadful situations in inner city Dublin uh, were moving out to Drimna and Crumlin, which were being built, and he felt there should be some care, particular care for, uh, for the children and for children's health. You know? uh, the, 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 the description uh, in, in the homily at his funeral he was described as a true gentleman to whom doing gracious things came naturally. <laughs> uh, and I said, that's a lovely thing to say. They won't say that about me. <laughs> but it, it, it said something about this man and, 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 uh, and what he tried to do. But the Civil War, I think, uh, you know, it, it, it's comparatively easy to have national celebrations of 1916. Uh, it would be much more difficult to see how we deal with the memory of, uh, of, of, of the Civil War and afterwards. So do you agree um, then with President Higgins's comments at Bail Law that this is going to be a major challenge, that the atrocities on both sides uh, are going to present no, I, I have, real... I have, I have my, my, my theory, which you know, has made life difficult for me in many ways, in the case of, of uh, you know, child abuse, that um, the truth will set you free even if the truth is unpleasant and better tell the truth with all its, its sharpness, uh, trying to cover over, plaster over, wallpaper over the truth, won't help anybody. Um, how we do it in a way that doesn't provoke 
a, a greater division that would be will, will be a, but our a tradition is covering over I mean the Bureau of Military History which did such good work yeah. although 30 years later people have rationalized their attitude perhaps some to some extent yeah. inevitably uh, it would just happen to everybody in this room I think if you look back at your own life and say what would, if you think you know what your view was on a particular controversy yeah. 30 years ago it, it mightn't chime that accurately yeah. with where what you actually felt at the time I mean I just my wife reminds me of this regularly that <laughs> so the, the, that's um, how I know that but anyway but I, mean, I, I, I'm also, I just want to I, make one little point yeah. but the Bureau of Military History yeah. just stopped in, at the treaty it did not accept or, or request or file chronicle uh, material about the Civil War. It just thought that it, that couldn't be done successfully. So, yeah. I, I'm very interested in, in seeing then uh, the, the the development of church state, um, you know, uh, particularly after 1960, particularly with the founding of, of the new state. You know, the the um, uh, you know the 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 position of the of the priests. Um, in 1916 reflects a closeness to people and a respect of people for them, respect of the, you know, a lot of the good things the church was doing at that particular time. It was also framed in a, 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 um, an unusual framework that Cardinal Cullen, who had brought a restoration and renewal to the church in Ireland, uh, he, he had a fear of Republican nationalism because he had seen some of this and violent Republican nationalism uh, in Italy uh, in, in the middle of the uh, 18th century uh, or 19th century and um, uh, he, he tried to build a very protective system to protect the Catholics from, uh, from, some, from some of these movements and to strengthen Cath the Catholic presence but he did it through, through the you know, in, in, in political life it was the bishops who did that uh, and uh, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, I'd like to see again you know, where we moved from, which would call a sort of a neutral, secular uh, constitution, a reference to God, protection of God, but the, the, the institutions were to be that of a republic. Uh, and you know, 10 years later, 20, 15 years later, 1930s from then on, uh, we became a very dominant Catholic state. You know, how did that happen and why did it happen? And um, this then came to a situation whereby services which were genuinely concerned and caring for people, of education, in, in, uh, in healthcare, um, because there was nothing else there, uh, they, they dominated the scene, but then they began to dominate. And people didn't have the, the, the wisdom to see uh, that it was time to change. And I, I think then when Vatican II came, uh, it took a lot of people by surprise and many of these institutions uh, and a presence of the church then uh, were looked at in a different, in a different way. Huh? Particularly the man, well, of course, who's, who spanned that period most profoundly was Dr. McQuaid, right, yeah. who was himself, who, I mean, the 19th century, it was the church that provided education, provided health, provided social services. Mm -hmm. And so that, that, that structure was in place when Dr. McQuaid kind of came in. And I don't think we'll ever understand him without, he may have been bad at letting go yeah. and realizing and appreciating yeah. the change. But uh, it, 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 you won't, I think, won't understand him without realizing that the, the amount the, of good, the yeah, amount yeah, of extraordinary, extraordinary yeah, yeah. talent. Of course, he had another disadvantage: was he was much brighter than any of the politicians he was playing against. He was an that's absolute, not unusual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
but he was absolutely an astounding. I, I went through his archives for a television documentary I did some years ago, and uh, he is just astounding in his speed of decision making. Uh, you won't agree with the decisions all the time, no. but, but they're very, very impressive performance. Um, the, the, as I say, we, we, we need to do a lot of research. I mean, President Higgins again has said that so one of the reasons uh, for, um, uh, you know, for the fact that the, the, the uh, proclamation wasn't fully realized, he would identify as a, a narrow religious culture. Uh, and uh, there were some clergy who felt that the president should mind his own business. And should, I think he's right. Uh, that the, it was there was a, a challenge there, but I don't think we've done enough research to understand uh, why that happened and how it happened. And um, uh, you know, when you go back to you know, I, fascination with my predecessors, Archbishop Murray was the Archbishop in the beginning of the the nineteenth uh, century. He was the only bishop in Ireland who was in favour of the national schools and the royal colleges, the godless colleges. And there's there's a, a uh, Fascinating, you know, what if uh, that you could do on that? Uh, uh, you know that you know he had no intention of building a Catholic university. He felt that Catholics should be able to to take part in in, in the normal uh, life, and he felt that the national school system uh, offered uh, uh, sufficient guarantees. Of, but the other bishops and the Vatican were 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 totally against it. And you know the the, the the other bishops refer to him very often as the holy man. He was a very apparently a very holy man. And uh, then there were letters saying the holy man is dead. Now we can get on with our business. <laughs> <laughs> type of attitude, you know. Right. Um, but the the other question, I you know, and it'd be interesting in some of your conversations. What is what's the political? Where did the political philosophy of the proclamation come from? Uh, you know, is it linked with? Continental republicanism and this idea of a republic. Uh, you know, exactly what, what did that mean? Uh, and where would you collocate it? You know, it mentions our, our, our allies uh, in Europe. Gallant allies in Europe. Yeah, yeah. It, it mentions uh, you know, mainly financial support from the United States. Uh, but you know, what did they see? Um, you know, what, what would the republic that they, they dreamt of, what would it have looked like? Uh, when they got down to, to, to building it. Well, it's too short a document for that. Uh, it's, it's, it's not, yeah. it's not, it's not it's 500 there. words. But yeah. you, you ask yourself, you know, you know, yeah. uh, uh, you know it, it obviously, uh, it, it didn't, you know, they didn't get it from Catholic social teaching and they didn't attempt to do it. Yeah. They didn't get it from, uh, from British social philosophy. There, there certainly was a strong continental influence in it. But uh, it would be interesting to see what would have come out or what they, they had hoped yeah. would have come out. And what do you say to Thomas, Thomas Paine now, who, was, who would have been influential to some extent too in, as a Republican thinker in the rights of man. Um, in one of his comments on, on this whole issue is that the, the, the most insolent of tyrannies is the vanity and the presumption of governing beyond the grave. Mm -hmm. the, the notion that you can lay down something for the next generation, whereas surely they must make their own choices in their own time and given their, what, what's before them. And surely the men of 1916 in one sense have invited us to think of, of, of this slim document as a blueprint. Yeah, uh, as an inspiration and as I say, they're, they're, the, 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 for me, if, if I were to say the dominant theme is of a, a state of equality. Uh, and uh, we're still fighting with that, and we always will be. 
uh, you know, the, the, uh, there, there are various types of equality. You know, it, it was certainly, uh, um, though it talked about manhood, uh, but it also talked about the you know, equality between men and women. It was very At a time clear. when that wasn't very, very women clear. had to be yeah. thirty to vote. In, 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 when they got the vote, and clear that there would be uh, men and women. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and you know, there's a lot of pro. But I mean, the the idea of creating an economy which would generate equality. Uh, the idea of, of a political system which would generate equality. And, um, you know, as we haven't achieved that, in some ways we're less equal today than we were a few years ago. Uh, you know, the poverty is still there, the situation of our travelling community is still there, uh, you know, the housing situation uh, is, is, uh, is incredible. Uh, and, uh, you know, is our economy um, uh, you know, one that focuses entirely on, on, on generating equality and are we sufficiently critical, not, not in the sense of shooting down things, uh, but we, we should have a, 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 and the church has to find that uh, if it wants to continue in its role. I mean, the, the, um, uh, you know, I have to think of what type of church that I would like to see which would live up to the ideals of the uh, uh, of the um, of the proclamation, uh, and what sort of a place for a church in a in a democratic and pluralist society? Um, you can have a, a very intolerant secularism, just as you've had an intolerance uh, intolerance in the church. Uh, and I, I, I'd like you know to have seen around 1916 uh, more reflection on from within the church as to how we would contribute to the, the, uh, the, the uh, ideals of 1916, while maintaining the, the, the good things that were there. You know, the priests who were really caring people, and who, um, uh, the, the, it, it wasn't just that they put their lives at risk, um, but you know, personally, it must, must have been harrowing to see what was, when you see what was happening in, in the hospitals. Two of the priests in the pro-cathedral were stranded in Jervis Street. Uh, and uh, the, their descriptions, but the bodies just kept coming. And, and uh, they, 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 the, the, in one particular place, the nuns, there were so many bodies, the nuns just put them into to sort of uh, cloths so that they could at least be buried. You know? uh, it does say again that, um, uh, you know, there's always a better solution than violence. Uh, and we have to remember that. Uh, you know that you know, whether whether violence was justified or not is one thing, but there always is a better. And any violent con uh, situation is a failure uh, of of political of politics and democracy, and um, we, we have to we, we see that in these days in Syria, what's going on there? So it's, it's incredible, you know. Questions? Yes. Um, can you wait for the microphone? Yeah. And can somebody? Uh, yeah. Somebody bring. Oh, yes, so you have, yeah, speak up, yeah. Uh, no, I have just three things. Can you give us your name first? Sorry, I'm Tom Fitzgerald. Okay. Um, uh, Tom Fitzgerald is my name, but um, it's been a wonderful opportunity to listen to um, you both. Um, but three things to strike me, and I promise I'll try and be very, very brief. Uh, the question about the just war I was very interested in, and your answer was uh, interesting as well, Archbishop, from the point of view of 
uh, to some extent, seeming quite sympathetic, really, with our men of 1916. But I'm always struck, as a kid in 1966, standing in front of the proclamation uh, when we were celebrating the 50th, was this, uh, all of the words that were there. But this um, belief of Pierce, of blood sacrifice, Easter, all of that sense that it was worthwhile to drop to lose blood and to shed it, and it was sacred for the generations that are past and the generations to come. I kind of got my idealism in a very facile way from the period in the anti-Vietnam War and became quite pacifistic and hated when some of my fellow pacifists thought we should go up and uh, go across the border and fight the British from the point of view of that nationalism. I'm very uh, worried about nationalism. And I'm, I'm not sure one of the things that about our celebration this year has been wonderfully nuanced, I think, and allowed for dialogue on various attitudes. The other thing that strikes me particularly as well uh, was the, the Dev, uh, Cosgrave, McQuaid, they, the axis that they had in terms of what you were talking about after the civil after the civil war, and what you were saying is the interesting development of that confessional state that we've had, um, Rome rule and and I think what we heard our our Ulster men speaking about down here is Rome rule. I didn't believe that until more the last twenty years that there had there was something in that. Other the other thing is. Uh, we're a very, very older group here, except for a few exceptions. And I'm wondering about how much this proclamation and our discussions, are we just in a crowd of interested intellectual, historical people? Or are we in any way reflecting our younger generation who are taking up the running of our republic afterwards? They're just some thoughts. My, but my, wonderful. My, Thank you very much for the observations uh, and insights. My little nephew, the only one who apparently ever looked like, in my family who looked like me, he was the one in his school who took the, the, the official proclamation. And I was just trying to think what was in, what was in his own uh, mentality. The, the, the blood sacrifice is, is, uh, uh, is an interesting thing. It wasn't just Pierce. Uh, it wasn't just Irish nationalists. Uh, you'll find that in a lot of the, the writings about the Second World War, again, they were going to shed their blood. Uh, you'll find it in, in, uh, in German literature, in continental literature. It, it was a very dominant theme at the time. Uh, I don't think it's a theme that, that uh, how far, therefore, Pierce's, particularly Pierce, but also Connolly mentions uh, you know, the shedding of blood, was religious. Uh, I, I think we'd have to analyze that. I, I think it was a, a more, more dominant reflection of the society at the time. Um, Connell's glove, I think, was very interesting yeah. about the, what you described the Italian experience of. Yeah. So I, 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 uh, you know, I think that would be, is one that uh, uh, we, should, we, we should do a little bit more research on. Uh, it's not an ideology that I would uh, entirely go, go, be happy with today. Um, uh, I, I'm, I am not a pacifist, but uh, I, I, I do believe that uh, violence is always a failure and that there are better ways uh, of resolving crises. Um, on the other hand, there is an obligation at times to hold back the, the hand of an, of an aggressor. And um, uh, it, it's just, the, 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 the other, as you, is the question that I, I'm very interested in, is to see uh, how we moved from uh, the, the proclamation to a, a, what you call a confessional state. 
Uh, and um, uh, because of that, we're, we're still living the consequences of that. You know, that a lot of uh, Irish secularism is a reaction against uh, the, that particular secular state, not necessarily a reaction against religion, uh, but at times it can turn into that. Uh, and um, I, I think we need to look at, you, you see this in the idea of French laïcité uh, and in, in other countries. I was very struck by um, a former president of Italy died in these days, uh, a man called Ciampi, an extraordinary man altogether. He'd been, spent all his life in the, in the Bank of Italy uh, and then was put in as a technical uh, prime minister and became president. But it, there was a thing about it, he said, in his politics he was scrupulously lay which would be secular. And in his religion, he was fervently and passionately a Catholic. Uh, and it, it's a very interesting way to see how uh, a, a very secular writer would see that to understand him, you need both of those. And he wouldn't have been the great president he was without both of those. Uh, uh, and I, I believe we have to find a, a presence of Catholicism in our society, not of institutions, but of people who uh, shine out because their religious convictions have brought an added quality to the work they do. Uh, and if we appeared in that way, I think many people would un begin to understand why we're here in a better way. Joe Little, yeah. Thank you very much. He obviously had read O'Connell's dictum, I take my politics from home and my religion from Rome, um, which was often quoted to me by a veteran of the War of Independence, my, my grandfather. But what do you think of the choice of Easter and its link with iconography and national self-image as the, the time for yeah. the rise? I, I don't know enough about the, 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 uh, the arrangements of the date. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't think it is, uh, was, was accidental. Uh, but I, I, I've never seen any, any particular writing of those who actually mentioned the choice of Easter. Um, uh, uh, so I, I, I just don't have the, 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 uh, the, the, the factual evidence for to help me make a... a um, you know, I, 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 I've said this on a number of occasions that uh, uh, somebody said to me, you know, where did you get your facts about 1916? Uh, from my family. Uh, you know, that I had an uncle uh, in, in the IRA, an aunt in the Citizen Army, and an aunt in, uh, in, in Comanamon. Uh, my, my godmother, a lovely picture with a rifle marching in Stephen's Green. And, and the, the, the interesting thing is that um, they were all friends, that all my aunt's friends had been in Comandamon, uh, and my uncle's friends, they were all... And these are the people then who began the, 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 um, to build up the new state when, when, when it came. My particular, my mother's family would be very clearly uh, on the Republican side. My mother says that her first memory was seeing her mother putting the bullets into the bandolier of her, her brother. My mother would have been 12 at the time, 11 or 12, uh, and, and, and sending him out. Um, uh, uh, you know, what exactly were, were, what they were thinking and what they hoped they would achieve. Uh, my mother, you know, somebody said to me today, asked me a question, um, um, if you were Archbishop at the time, where would you have been? And the answer is that if my grandmother were around, I know where I would have been. <laughs> but if you took the view that you take on violence, you might have been with I, most I would have, of the... I, I mean, it's tried, not a surprise yeah. that the bishops had your own for former Archbishop of Dublin had mentioned 
the, the IRB as a particular target because the Pope had, had condemned the IRB yeah, yeah. in 1870. Yeah. And uh, Archbishop Walsh mentioned them in every Lenten pastoral. Yeah, yeah. And they're mentioned in the second Secret, sentence, secret, secret societies, societies where, where somehow or other, again, yeah. the secret societies, I'm sure that a lot goes back to the, to the secret societies in, the, 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 uh, in Italy, in, in, in the, the, the nationalism there. And there was that great fear of secret societies. Um, I mean, I, I you know, would, would uh, say that uh, uh, if, if I were found myself in a situation like that, I would do everything I can to bring sites together and establish peace. You know, people say to me, oh, you're a diplomat. Uh, and they get the impression diplomats are magicians and deceitful magicians. But diplomacy is about breaking down boundaries, filing down difference, uh, enabling people to understand you know, what's the problem there, what we have in common, what we don't. And um, you know, that can happen. For it to happen, you need leaders who can rise up out of prejudice and of being entrapped in their own ideas. And um, you know, that isn't an easy thing. And uh, you know, that this entrapment in, 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 in an intransigence uh, in, 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 in public life, and uh, it, it, they're, they're dangerous things. Yes. Thanks. Uh, Peter Duffy. Um, just want to return to the uh, was mentioned in relation to confessional state institutional abuse and uh, the dominance of the church, we say from the 30s in particular onwards. And just what would you think of the contention that the seeds of that may have been perhaps uh, 100 years earlier, um, going back to pre-famine and uh, penal laws days when? The, uh, there was particularly in the early part of the 19th century the fight for Catholic emancipation, so a close um, allegiance between the people and the church. And then the famine happened, which was particularly low ebb in terms of morale. And the later part of the 19th century, the church became quite authoritarian with influence, particularly from Rome, um, the influence of Arch uh, Archbishop Cullen and a particular view, a Jansenist view of the body and so on. Mm -hmm. And that also as a result of the famine, as well as the, you know, the poorer class has been essentially wiped out to a great degree, but it was the rise of the uh, Catholic middle classes and very much the value of respectability, which um, Joyce in particular, I think, focused on in terms of paralysis uh, of the country. And this, this was in the latter part of the 19th century and, and early 20th century. And that in some sense, some of that is still with us in, in maybe different form, but it still has an influence right down in terms of the social class structure of today. Yeah, I, I think if I were looking at the period I'm particularly interested in, that's you know, the movement from, uh, from uh, revolution to, to a confessional state. I think that word respectability uh, is an important one, that we became a, a respectable society. I mean, if you look at, at um, uh, you know, the respectability has various. If you look at Griffith Avenue, which to me is a fascinating street, it's a beautiful one. Uh, you know, it was the M50 of its time, one of the you know, after the, the circular roads, one of the few. Uh, uh, but it, it was it was a mirror of the respectability that I, I presume it was built 
in the 1930s. It was a garden suburb. It was very yeah. important architecturally because yeah. Collins and Griffith Avenue were garden yeah. suburbs. Yeah. But it would have been before 1932 because if, if when Fianna Fáil came to power, they'd never have called them Collins and Griffith Avenue. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, I, 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 I'm fascinated. But it is, it, they, they are mirrors of, uh, and in every society, we develop our, our concept of respectability and what it means to be respectable. And respectability is, is a, becomes automatically a very closed-in uh, idea uh, and a very judgmental uh, idea and one in which uh, it espouses values. And um, uh, this is one of the things about, about Pope Francis, that he shuns respectability and annoys the respectable. Uh, and it, it's, it's quite, that's why I think he appeals to many people. Um, the, the, you know, you, you, to answer your question, you begin in the 19th century and you go, you know, the, the, there's the ups and downs of all of this. Uh, you know, emancipation, the level of religious practice at the time of emancipation was very, very low, uh, right across the country. No churches. Uh, no, no churches, but the, even that, uh, people just didn't, you know, yeah. the, 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 there was a great laxity, there was a laxity among the clergy. And, you know, Cullen, uh, to, to uh, you know, his idea was to, uh, uh, to reform, to bring discipline. Uh, and the, the result was, in fact, religious practice uh, increased. We then came to this, this uh, and we're still living with this, this, uh, uh, you know, dominant, you know, we, we, we felt that uh, we had, our numbers were our strength. Uh, and therefore, you, uh, the you know, Catholic Church was numerical, it was strong, it could dominate. And uh, it, it's only you know, in more recent times that we're coming clearly, and even not yet in, in many cases, uh, that our numbers were not strength. They were sort of an infrastructure which was there. And when it vanished, you found that there was very little underneath it. And uh, I, I, st I believe, personally, we're not out of that yet. Uh, we, you know, there are still people who would, we would think that we live in fortress Catholicism and that you know, all we need is to be more intense in repeating the tenets of fortress Catholicism and everything will be all right. I, I'm uh, far more critical of that than, uh, than, than, than uh, maybe I'm supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, here first and then. My name is Felix Larkin. Um, I want to ask a question about commemoration and the impact of commemoration. Um, I gave a short after-dinner uh, speech at uh, an international uh, conference in May, and I'd be quite critical about it in 1916, and I didn't hide that. When I sat down uh, afterwards, the wife of my host uh, looked across at me and said, a very interesting paper. She said, I have a 12-year-old son, and in the last uh, month, he has taken his football posters down off the wall of the bedroom and replaced them with a copy of the proclamation and a poster with the uh, signatories. Um, she, she then put her head in her hands and she said, what is going on here, Felix? Uh, am I incubating a provo? Now, I had no answer for her, but I just wonder what answer you'd give her, Archbishop. Uh, I, think, you know, I, I think we still have to try and, and ask ourselves, what is nationalism? Uh, what are the things we should be proud of? 
in a nation. And one of, one of the interesting things in the proclamation was that Ireland should take its place among the nations. Uh, so therefore, the, the, there was this hint that you know, the nationalism wasn't just uh, for ourselves, that somehow Ireland would take responsibility uh, in, in, uh, among the nations. Not only that it would be added onto the list of independent countries. Uh, and and um, uh, I, think, I think, first of all, it's good that young people uh, try to look at what, why they should be proud to be Irish uh, and what that means. But I think we all have to help one another to understand what that means. Uh, and uh, where are the areas uh, uh, in which we, we, you know, I'm, I'm again a strong internationalist. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, 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 um, I, I was, I worked in Geneva and was a friend of the archivist of the United Nations there, who showed me a lot of the papers of the League of Nations. And, and Ireland was extremely idealistic, um, you know, from the very beginning in the League of Nations. Um, you know, Sean Lester, uh, who was the, the uh, um, who is the grandfather of the Chief Justice, uh, uh, he was the commissar of the League of Nations uh, in, in Danzig, an extraordinary international figure, uh, you know, and, and a man of great courage, uh, you know, uh, hated by the Nazis there, and who, and who uh, made a friendship with this other amazing man, the Bishop of Danzig, whose name was O'Rourke. Yeah. Uh, who was born in in in, in Belarusia? But yeah. came he from. Did, he did not speak with an Irish brogue, by the no, way. Aurora. But he spoke about sixteen languages. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but you know, but, uh, you know that that I uh, you know that um, uh, I, I have a great respect for uh, uh, for the Irish Foreign Service. I have a great respect for uh, the, the the humanitarian organisations. Um, and again, uh, you know, we 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 have to uh, to live. We have to live this idea, as I call it, independence for, not just independence from. We have to understand you know, why we're proud of being Irish. And if a proud of being Irish is, is a close, you know, just thinking of ourselves, then we've missed it. Uh, so we have to, to have this sense of uh, that you know, we get our house in order. Uh, we, we build up the values we really feel are important. Uh, we do what we can to strengthen them. But then we also reach out. To the to the to the rest of the world, bringing not superficial you know, uh, I, uh, you know shamrock Irishism, um, but you know that we that we, we we would be looked on in the world uh, with respect for the things we do. Uh, you know, if you look at our defence forces, uh, you know they're, they're, the work of our Irish peacekeepers is, is extraordinary because they were highly professional in doing their job. Uh, and, and there are many other examples of that. So, uh, you know, that I wouldn't be afraid that a young person is reflecting on, uh, you know, nationalism. I'd be afraid that he'd get the wrong of nationalism. Uh, and and that, that, would be, uh, uh, that would be a very fearful thing. Yes. Here. Yes. Just by the my name is Gay Brocklesby. Uh, there's three points I want to make to you. First of all, the thank you very much, by the way, for the most interesting speech. I enjoyed it very much in talk discussion. First thing, there's other full-time Christians around the place called nuns, and you didn't really mention them except in passing. So I'd like to know what's in your archives about all the nuns who were handling dead bodies and whatever else they were up to in all these hospitals. The second point is, you both mentioned the idea that the leaders were poets and teachers and all kinds of even respectable people, but thinkers. 
How was it then that a DMP policeman was standing outside minding single-handed, apparently Dublin Castle, and some of the volunteers came up to him and shot, said, let us in or we shoot you, and they shot him dead. I'm just wondering how people who weren't accustomed to killing could just do that. I just thought it was amazing. I found that really astonishing to think somebody like myself could do such a thing. I mean, in other words, people who are educated to a certain degree or had ideals could do that. Just it's a very thuggish thing to do, I would have thought, to look a man in the eye and shoot him dead. And the third thing I would ask you is, though I think the answer will probably be zero, was there any communication at all with the fellow Christians in the Archdiocese? I mean, the Church of Ireland and other churches at the time, was there any record at all of how, I mean, they probably were seen to be a bit on the other side or something, yeah. but is there any record at all of how the Catholic Church um, either interacted or for that matter didn't or had any communication with yeah. other Christians? Yeah. First, first comment, the, the nuns, the nuns that, that, that appear in our archives were too busy to write. Uh, they, were, they, were, they were doing the work, the, the, particularly in the hospitals, uh, extraordinary work. And they, they, um, they, 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 you know, it, they, they took, also in the Civil War, and this is one of the areas, they took people from all sides and were therefore criticized for taking from all sides. The nuns in the matter wouldn't let uh, the Free State people come in and see who they had as patients because they felt that they treated pe people. But you know, they, they, they didn't, there, there is a, a thing about, uh, there, there, there's one of the panels in this exhibition uh, you know, about the, the human experience of the Loretto sisters. Uh, and again, it, it's an interesting thing of you know, the, having schools uh, and their effect on the children and what was happening. It, 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 there's a, um, uh, the the, um, uh, the 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 ecumenical dimension. You know, it, it wasn't entirely a Catholic uh, uprising. Uh, there were you know, people, Church of Ireland people there there. You know, and and the the movement uh, which produced, uh, which came out from the that are the first president of then uh, in Ireland was 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 Church of Ireland. Um, the, the the Church of Ireland bishop in Dublin at the time was uh, uh, was particularly uh, uh, and it would say that the Church of Ireland themselves uh, was was particularly he, he wasn't a nationalist in any way uh, but there were lots of of uh, of contacts in, in now I, when I, I say that I'm not saying that to criticize the Church of Ireland bishop we had plenty of of, of priests again who would have considered uh, would have been totally intolerant of uh, even of the ideals of, uh, uh, you know, of, of, of independence for Ireland. The middle question was? Um, the, uh, the DMP man shot yeah. the face just said, let us in, or we shoot you dead. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, you know, I asked myself, you know, uh, you know, how people do that kind of violence. Uh, and it's particularly a question you ask today, you know, when we, we, we live in a new, in a new, uh, Era of violence uh, in in uh, in Ireland. You know, you, you know it, it's criminal violence. Who are the people? I, I you know, a, a friend of mine, a guard, uh, you know, who knows this world very much. He said, uh, "There's a new generation of violent criminals. Uh, that they're, they're absolutely ruthless. Uh, there's no way you can you can dialogue with them. Uh, the the uh, they're." they're uh, they're, 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 in a, they're in the business of death, uh, you know, in flooding the place with drugs. 
and they're, they, they have no conscience whatsoever. And you know, he, he would say that they're, they're, um, you know, th these people who go out shooting, he said they, they, they're not drug addicts, they don't drink, they're puritanical if anything, uh, but they're absolutely, you know, they will kill to get what they want, and anybody who gets in their way, they'll kill them. You know, who are people that are like that? I, you know, it's very hard for us to know. Um, you know? Could I just ask where your exhibition is exactly? It well, be, I'm going to end on yeah, that, so okay, I'll get the details on yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, that's but I'll take a final question yeah. first from the back here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, James Walsh. Dr. Martin, what effect do you think the fact we are an island people post-1916? Uh, you know, I, I think we've, we were an island period even before that. I, I, I tried in another talk to look at the effects of the major uh, trends in, continent, in continental uh, ref, intellectual reflection and political reflection. And for, for many ways we were isolated from them. Uh, the Enlightenment which is a major uh, factor across. It, we, it really never reached Ireland. Uh, you know, that we, we, were, we, were, we were locked in our, in our own little world. Um, you know, the Enlightenment, you know, the, the, the reaction of the bishops against Fenianism would be a reaction against the, an Enlightenment which became very nationalistic and very violent. But we, we haven't had, we didn't have, a, 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 probably because uh, you know, at the time, uh, uh, you know, people didn't have access uh, to, to education and so on. If you look uh, at, we never had, um, uh, thank God, we never had this sort of emergence of fascism which uh, went right across Europe at a particular period of time. After the Second World War, uh, we didn't have to rethink uh, because we hadn't gone through the horrors of the war, or the horrors of fascism and Nazism and the various other forms of that, uh, which meant that I think we were probably slow in developing our Europeanism compared to, 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 uh, to, to other countries. So the fact that we are an island, uh, uh, not just geographically, uh, but the fact that we, you know, we, were, we were not uh, in, in, in the mainstream of many of the, uh, the intellectual trends which changed Europe, I think that obviously had an effect on us. And I'd like to do to see more research done on that. Yeah. So can I finally end then by inviting you just to give us the details of the, the Archdiocese's uh, exhibition. It's opening this Friday. It's opening this Friday at seven o'clock. It's in uh, St. Kevin. You'd go enter by the pro-cathedral. Uh, it's at the back. The room has been, has been uh, uh, reorganized. It, it's, uh, it's interactive. It uh, provides lots of, of information about the human dimensions of 1916 as seen through the priests who lived in the pro-cathedral and, and uh, the Capuchins who were, were very close. And uh, it's, it's, as I say, it's a dimension that has simply been, been bypassed, uh, ignored, and I think it's nice that at least we remember it. And it will run until? I, I don't know until... I think uh, quite late. It's the running the rest of the year, I think. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? Yes, somebody knows. Listen, can I, Annette O'Donnell, I work with Archbishop Martin, I'm going to withdraw that invitation for Friday night at seven o'clock because that's already full for the official opening. Yeah. But the exhibition will run every day in the Pro Cathedral from one o'clock until I think around five or six between now and I think the end of November. Yeah. 
and it's in the newly refurbished in Kevin's Oratory, and it's free, so everybody's invited. Not not on Friday, but any day after. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much for that uh, yeah. clarification, and thank you, Archbishop. Not Thank Archbishop for such an inspirational discussion. This is a small oh, present. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, John. There are two types of people, you know, uh, those who immediately open the presents <laughs> to see what they look like. <laughs> and I have, I have characterized myself. Yes. Okay. But I'm not going to let you see. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So. Thank you. Yeah. I, I had the experience after um, the funeral of Albert Reynolds uh, to be crossing the, the, the funeral was in Donnybrook, to be crossing the East Link and realize that I had an RT microphone still on. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that, so I, I'm giving this away now. Dude, that, is a, that, that is a very, very dangerous thing to have, <laughs> as Gordon Brown knows. Yeah, and as uh, there was a famous piece on uh, an American television station which was in the middle of a conference, but somebody had left their microphone and said, look, the problem is your sister-in-law is just an effing control freak, <laughs> period. That is just it. Now, you can't, you, you can't withdraw that. But that went out over the entire conference, the entire con and, and the television network, yeah. So, we're finished, yeah. Okay, thank you very much for coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.